Thank you for listening to the Weekly Market Outlook. It is our pleasure to bring an industry-leading market analyst to provide you with the most value possible in your farm business. Please reach out anytime by emailing cbaron at agviewsolutions.com. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the AgView Pitch. We're heading into another marketing week. Uh, we're getting chewing through December. We are the 19th through the 23rd as we discuss the market outlook here. And we are lucky enough to have with us today Pete Meyer with S&P Global uh, Commodity Insights. How's it going today, Peter? It's going all right. Just trying to trying to uh, get through the week, get through the month, get through the year, and uh, you know, see what the end of the year brings, but, uh, yeah, kind of quiet, kind of quiet market wise, but I mean, that's to be expected this time. Of year, I would yeah, it is. And I guess where I would like to start and get, get your insights here, I guess, on what you see, you know, we've, we've kind of been on the lower end of this kind of long-term sideways deal. Um, and, you know, as we get through the holidays, a lot of times there's, you know, from a cash standpoint, there's a lot of times opportunities on basis. But before we get to that, I want to ask you, you know, do you, do you, are you guys anticipating seeing some strength in January? I mean, you look at the seasonals and, and a lot of times we kind of, kind of rebound a little bit and come out of that. Do you, do you see that being a possibility or what are you guys kind of watching? I think really the only thing to watch at the moment is Argentinian weather. Um, you know, Brazil seems to be okay. I would not be, uh, you know, buying any uh, 150 million metric ton puts as far as their, their soybeans are concerned. I, I think that that's probably a fair, a fair number for them, but Argentina, you know, we've, uh, the USDA kind of stayed flat last week, you know, last Friday on their Argentinian, both corn and, and soybean production. When we look at the next 10 days in Argentina, it's awful. Um, so I think that Argentina could lose some corn acres, which didn't get planted on time and maybe get some late soybeans in. But, boy, um, it's, it's, it's tough to see how Argentina can, can produce the kind of numbers that the USDA are looking at, both in, both in corn and soybeans. Brazil, on the other hand, you know, I mean, it's too early to really talk about their corn crop. Um, we don't. I think the USDA has no 122 million metric tons. We have maybe a 120. Um, you know, it's. I, I think from here, Chris, what we're watching is uh, we're watching the weather, uh, most likely in South America, and also watching the weather to see if the La Nina can neutralize itself a little bit, which would be uh, a little bit better for for everybody involved. But um, you know, we've we've heard this many times from the meteorology sector that it's going to more neutral, it's going to more neutral, it's going to more neutral, and it just doesn't happen. So I don't know. Uh, it's, it's, uh, outside, outside of, uh, outside of South American weather. I mean, there really isn't, really isn't a lot to talk about. Mm -hmm. You don't really see anything else. Do you think the, with the seasonals, are the funds looking at anything or are they trying to not look at something or, you know, talk, talk a little bit about the economy and the funds. I mean, you've, get pretty good insight there too as far as where the money flow is going and kind of what what things are looking like between you know where where do you where's the money go i think the you know the the funds for all intents and purposes are, are mostly neutral especially in corn i mean they they seem to you know during the last rally they, they bought a lot of corn and then when it failed at seven dollars and failed at 675 you could just kind of see that they're they were not really 
too excited about it. So they're kind of out of that market. Um, the other market that they were um, pretty long in was soybean oil. Um, and soybean oil has had a dramatic move lower based on the EPA announcement from a couple weeks ago um, regarding the renewable fuel standard. So if I had to guess, and, you know, truthfully, we spend more time now talking to energy companies um, about the availability of uh, feedstock for renewable diesel and sustainable aviation fuel than we do hedge funds. But based on what I see in the commitment of traders, it would seem that the hedge funds are kind of sitting on the side. I don't see them getting that excited about um, about South America unless it really turns into something. And if they were to get excited, I think they'd probably get more excited on the bean side than they do on the corn side. Mm-hmm. With that said, you know, talk a little bit about the beans too. I mean, I'm asking you on, on corn on, on seasonals and stuff, but, you know, are you seeing anything that helps the, I mean, you know, and you can talk wheat too for that matter, but are you, are you, is there anything else, I guess, is, is Argentina the only hope? <laughs> Well, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, you know, when you look at the math on the on the uh, on the ratio, um, you know, everybody's looking for another big corn crop uh, as far as acres are concerned for next year. Yeah. And I see how I see how that pencils out. Um, certainly, in discussions with some of the seed companies and some of the seed distributors, certainly the guys in Illinois who had record corn yields last year are going to go back and try to get it again, right? So I I, I totally get that. But it was interesting. I was in Omaha, Nebraska last week um, uh, at the FBN conference, just to be honest with you, just to listen to Jocko Willink was, Willink was one of the speakers. and mm-hmm. It was a very, very good conversation. And, and then I, I, I run into farmers that, that I know from a few from Minnesota, a couple from Nebraska, a few from Western Iowa. And, you know, by and large, what they've, what they've been watching here is the fact that the beans have gained on corn as far as the ratio is concerned. And, and uh, three or four of them said that they they really never got to do a lot of their fall tillage, and certainly now with the weather, they, they won't get in there anymore. But um, you know, they may be switching back uh, to uh, to some soybeans instead. I think some of that also, some of those comments also came from from folks in southern Minnesota, which saw a tar spot kind of reach its way in there a little bit. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think we have to watch it a little bit. But you know, knowing Knowing farm economics, or what, what I know of farm economics, I mean, it's not like, you know, anybody can pull a switch all of a sudden, you know, in February or in, or in January sometime. A lot of decisions were made already. And certainly in the East, they seem like they've been made. But I think in the West, you may lose some acres um, to um, from corn to soybeans, even though the economics still point towards, towards corn being a better product. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what we see is, and I've said that for the last several weeks, and a lot of our listeners are aware of that. I mean, it's the corn. Corn is definitely king in in the on the economic side for the majority. There's exceptions to that. I get that. There's people listening and like, oh, we're different, and I get that. But <clears throat> in general, the corn's really ho- hollering for the acres right now. It looks like. And with that said, <clears throat> um, I want to back up for just a second. You know, on the old crop, remaining bushels yet to sell. We're seeing some basis levels. I was just talking to you offline. I mean, my our farm operations delivering uh, to the west. I mean, we're in northeast Iowa, and we've got our trucks heading west, going about <clears throat> three three times longer haul than what we normally do, or whatever, two and a half times longer haul anyway, at least. And and because the basis is paying for that, 
Um, are you seeing any any other opportunities besides basis on this remaining remaining bushels? I mean, I think there's a lot of people sitting on their hands because they feel like they missed it on those remaining bushels. I mean, are are you one that would kind of hold off until spring, or or you just keep peddling that stuff out? Well, I think you're you know you're gambling on the South America weather at the, at this point. So mm-hmm. if you have a if you have a good weatherman, somebody you trust, then I mean that's that's what you're gambling on. Right. You know, regarding the strong basis, I mean, obviously there is a lot of corn that was out of position, right? West of Des Moines, all the way, all the way through Nebraska was, was bad. Central, central South Dakota, we've seen some record yields out of there, but I mean, Eastern, Eastern South Dakota was not, uh, not that great. So you have that, you know, like you said, you're moving, you're driving two hours, two hours each way. I mean, if you can take care of a base, but unfortunately, I mean, you have guys in Illinois and Indiana that just, you know, are looking at somewhat sloppy basis and, and just, you know, um, just kind of throwing their hands up and saying, eh, what can I do? Yeah. Um, you know, in corn on the demand side, certainly the exports are still uh, very worrisome to us. Um, you know, really haven't, haven't seen much there. And now, you know, last couple of weeks, you know, you've, you've, you've seen some, some pretty high ethanol builds. I know that the ethanol basis is the one been one of the strongest, especially out West because they, you need, they need corn to keep the plants running. And if they don't keep the plants running at full capacity, then their, um, their quantities start to drop and, uh, you know, they have to keep it, they have to keep it going. But, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, we're entering a very, very slow driving season here now. So I'm not really sure that, that ethanol is going to save the day there either. And, Really, there's nothing to suggest, in, in our opinion, that, that the, all of a sudden China is going to come in and start buying corn all of a sudden. I mean, they're about 10 million metric tons behind their pace last year. I just don't know. Mm-hmm. I just, just I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't really know. Uh, certainly, um, we see Ukraine acreage being down again this year. Um, we see a continuing tightness in, in Europe. Europe is clamoring to get some corn, but you know, when you look at like ethanol plants in Germany, they use the non-GMO corn from Ukraine typically because they, um, because there's a restriction against selling uh, GMO DDG. So, you know, uh, you know, we, we do hear, you know, rumblings of, of, of the EU government starting to back down a little bit on their renewable fuel uh, standards, just based on the fact that the feedstock's not available. Um, you know, this Ukraine situation is going to last for years here. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to find a story. I mean, we may have a story in the January crop production report. Uh, personally, I don't think the yield's going to change much, but I think we lose acres. And the reason for that is because of the zeroed out acres in Kansas and, and even some parts in Nebraska and stuff like that. So I think acreage is going down. Is it enough? I don't know. On the beans, bean exports are about the only thing you have at the moment. We, we really had a sloppy crush last month. Um, According to NOPA, I mean, not sloppy is about the same as it was last year, but people are looking for a bigger crush after a really large crush in October. Uh, but, you know, so I, I don't, you know, the bean, the bean exports would suggest that we can go lose another 20 or 30 million bushels off the balance sheet. But there again, um, the USDA kind of told us earlier in the year what they didn't tell us. They, they telegraphed it, that they're unwilling to go below 200 million bushel in carryout. And, you know, when you talk to NAS and the people at USDA, they'll tell you they really don't know the size of the soybean crop until the following September when they get the quarterly stocks report. So, mm-hmm. 
that that just leads me to believe that what you see is what you get here at the moment. Yeah. It is, you know, yeah, I, I don't, I don't necessarily think there's anything behind the curtain except maybe lower corn acres mm-hmm. in the, uh, in the January crop production report. Yeah. So let's, let's shift gears over to um, another category for a minute here in energy. Um, you know, you look at where crude's at and it seems like, you know, the grains, <clears throat> you know, we saw it, we've, we've seen the softness there, and then obviously it took a while for the grains, and we're seeing the softness there, I guess, is how I would, how I look at it at least. Talk a little bit about the energy sector and what, what are you guys seeing there? What are some of your insights there? We're pretty bearish, uh, but not, not uh, overly so. So in other words, uh, crude today, on uh, Friday afternoon, closed around $74, and I think Brent closed at like 70 $79 or something like that. Um, we're slightly bearish on the stuff um, just based on the fact that we're, we're entering into a, into a low driving season. Um, it does seem like some of the stocks have been rebuilt, but you know, we have to remember as well is that, um, you know, uh, the current occupant of, uh, of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue emptied out the, uh, the, the uh, strategic petroleum reserve and has said publicly that they will buy oil, you know, below, they originally said $80, but now it's probably going to be below $70 or something like that. And certainly the curve in crude would suggest that you can, you can buy some, some below $70 further out. So my point there is that there's kind of an underlying bid um, in the market. Um, You know, everybody was jumping up and down and screaming when OPEC decided to cut a few months ago, but they knew exactly what they were doing because the demand just wasn't there. Some of the some of the lack of demand in oil comes from these COVID lockdowns in China, but uh, that seems to be easing a bit. I think that uh, President Xi has has figured out that he, he would you know crush his economy if they keep it any 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 longer going on any longer. I mean the protesters would suggest that they change the attitude there, but I don't think they have. So so really you know. And then when you look at natural gas prices, you and I were talking offline here a little bit earlier. I mean, they're either up or down four or five percent a day, it seems like lately, which is just a nightmare. I mean, they're really trading based on the weather and the weather. We have a tremendous cold snap coming here as well. So we think that gets supported. Um, you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, once so, you get past the holiday season, you may see a little bit of, uh, of a lag in um in diesel fuel demand, diesel fuel certainly is, is a little bit sparse, especially on the East Coast. In the central part of the country, it's not. But on the East Coast, it's still uh, at the pump, still trading at, at least $2, maybe $2.50 over gasoline prices. Uh, but that's kind of a, an area, you know, so a regional. The, so regional the, light, the light supply of diesel is a real thing, though, isn't it? The light supply in the East on the east is definitely a real thing. Mm-hmm. The light, light supply of Light supply of uh, of gasoline, light supply of diesel, light supply of ethanol is a, is a very real thing on, on the East Coast, from what from what we can see. And, yeah. But a lot of the a lot of the gasoline and heating and heating oil or diesel um, uh, supply lag comes from the fact that on the East Coast the refining capacity is, is way down over the last four or five years or so. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that really you know it's not. My point here is it's it's not an oil issue, right? There's plenty of supply of oil. And these guys, when we talk to these clients of ours that run East Coast refineries, you know, if they could run at 110%, they'd run at 110% because their profit margins are, 
are very strong. So let me ask you this though, on like on the, the ethanol margins. So a lot of these listeners, I mean that you're dependent on that, right? And so if, if these energy levels crude and everything stays under pressure, what does that, what kind of picture does that draw for, you know, for let's say, you know, getting, getting that uh, corn price Uh, back to that seven something or whatever. Well, I think, you know, really, I mean, we, we are, we are entering a a slow driving driving season here for the next three months or so. So Mm -hmm. it really, it really comes down to where your corn is, right? If you're, if you're in the East, unfortunately you're, Back to You're the business stuck scenario, with it. Right. right? Right, and that's that's a problem. And I mean, we kind of kind of saw it this week with the ethanol build. The ethanol build was the ethanol stocks build was huge, but um, like like I mentioned a little bit earlier, these plants just you know it's not like you can slow down an ethanol plant. You can slow down a, a diesel plant, a renewable diesel plant. You can slow down a lot of these other plants. You can't slow down an ethanol plant because otherwise you start to um, you know, lose the quantity you're getting. I mean, mm-hmm. most most folks will tell you if you're not getting three gallons, three gallons a bushel, you're not in the game anymore. And if you start to slow it down, it goes down to two eight or two nine. And if you're paying seventy five over basis, you're in a lot of trouble. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So my final question for you is: with your guys's global picture of things and and everything, is you know, talk just for a minute and just and this is just your your guys's view. So I get that. But where where are you guys watching this economy going, and what are some of the risks that you know from your guys' perspective? If you're talking to a farmer group, what are the things we need to be really careful of as we look to 2023 and trying to be profitable and look at the 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 most expensive crop we've ever put in and some of the risk associated with that as we go into 2023? What what are what are some of the things you guys would would say? Hey guys, watch this. Be careful. I think the macro the macro view of the economies really differ from uh, region to region. I mean, if you just look at uh, the UK, the UK for instance, I mean, the UK for all intents and purposes are are in a recession. Uh, does that does that bleed its way east and end up in the EU? You know, it could be the the you know most of the European sub well I shouldn't say most some some of the European countries were not as aggressive as the US were was on uh, on rate hikes, so. You know, I mean, they're, they're really starting to falter here. The Russian economy, obviously, you know, we'll see how that how that goes with the war. The war in Ukraine certainly doesn't seem like that's going to end anytime soon. That's something to watch. And we mentioned a little bit earlier about the about the uh, the Chinese lockdowns, the zero zero COVID policy. What what impact that has on the economy? We've already on their economy. We've already seen that that's a that's an issue um, that we're watching kind of closely globally um you know it's 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 a tough picture i, I mean it, it 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 really is um you know and i i think that the you know we are at elevated prices here um as far as grains and oil seeds are concerned so you're always kind of looking for the next step um the, the soybean oil market especially was very very disappointed in the epa announcement um, from a few weeks ago i mean you know illustrating it 75 cents a pound before the announcement and traded within, within what, one, two, three, maybe, maybe eight or nine trading days down below 60 cents. Uh, we're not worried about that. So as we start to, as we start to look forward past 23 and beyond, we still see um, this, 
uh, demand for low carbon fuels. Mm-hmm. And, and in our opinion, there's only so much used cooking oil and fats and tallows and the rest of the alternative um, feedstocks that can, uh, that can be fed in there and it will come, it will come down to soybean oil. You know, we look at soybean oil. Um, we had a bad, I uh, mentioned a little bit earlier about the crush, the soybean oil content of the crush in November was, was down quite a bit. I don't follow it, but uh, our friend Garrett Toy over there at Ag Trader talks that it was the lowest drop, the lowest, the biggest drop month over month in how much soybean oil they got out of, out of a bushel of, uh, of beans. Hmm. We're watching that closely, but um, our exports, the exports of soybean oil are awful. They're at six, uh, you know, I, I, I think that the, Soybean export pace is 75% of USDA projections. The soybean oil export pace is 6%. Meal is around 45 or 50%. But we expect that to happen, and we, we think that, that that really points to the fact that we're going to be using more and more soybean oil in the, in the renewable space, especially in renewable diesel, not so much in sustainable aviation fuel, but certainly in renewable diesel. Um and we, we, we expect that. And we also have heard, besides the EPA announcement being being um, interpreted as, as bearish, we've heard nothing from the energy companies about their pulling back on any of their investments, either in renewable diesel, sustainable aviation fuel, or the 500 million bushels of additional crush capacity that will be coming out within the next year or two. Mm-hmm. So... Um, you know, we've gone, we've gone now from this conversation starting in the very short term and now we're in the very long term. <laughs> right. So we don't really, we don't really see much, um, much changing on that front. Uh, and maybe it takes a little bit more time, but certainly, um, you know, we've, in, in our business, we've gone from taking calls from the renewable diesel producers, uh, to say, hey, you know, is there going to be enough feedstock? Is there going to be enough soybean oil? Is there going to be enough used cooking oil? Is there going to be all, the, all this other stuff? Mm-hmm. And now we're now we're starting to have a conversation with the with the major investment firms who don't really want to know if there's going to be enough, but want to know, um, you know, should they be investing in the stuff? So, mm-hmm. if, you know, what I'm telling you is that the is that the, you know, it's it's still a movement. Okay, yeah. so. It's only out on the West Coast, but there's going to be a decision made in New York pretty soon um, regarding regarding their renewable fuel standard. Um, so, you know, it's it this stuff goes on a state by state basis, and that's why when the RFS announcement uh, came out of Washington, as far as a mandate is concerned, we really weren't that concerned. And to be very honest with you and your listeners, our clients were very happy to see the soybean oil price drop because they were buying it, and they yeah. have been buying it because they like it there, right? Yeah. They don't like it above 65 cents. They love it below 65 cents. And yeah. and here we are today. We close at whatever it was, 62, 63 cents. So it's good value for them, which really means that they can, you know, start buying some and getting, getting, getting these plants up and going. Just so, just so to be clear, you know, even though 2022 has not been uh, a banner year, as far as renewable diesel production is concerned, um, uh, over 45% of the of the feedstock used to produce renewable diesel in the U.S. came from soybean oil. Used cooking oil was second in the 20%, uh, 24, 25% category, and then fats and tallows and the rest of them. So, you know, yeah, that, our our thing that bodes a our, bodes a good outlook for soybeans, and especially in the next couple of years as time progresses. 
um, some it's of the it's journalists certainly that grow all corn is, <laughs> are going right, to probably be certain, looking at it's it. Certainly, right. It certainly is supportive, right? It's not outright bullish, and I don't want your your listeners to think that all of a sudden I'm uber bullish on this stuff because I'm not, because as I just mentioned earlier, you know, they're not, these guys, are, these ladies and gentlemen that run these plants, they're not price agnostic. They, yeah. they can, they can kind of sit back. And the other thing that you have to be very, very um, aware of bean meal. Is that, is that where you're going? What's that bean meal? Where's the meal go? No, <laughs> no. Well, that, that's a good question. But the other thing too, is that, you know, well, my last three business trips with the exception of my trip out to Omaha have been to airlines and the airlines, you know, they're really starting to push a little bit harder for the sustainable aviation fuel, but Mm -hmm. they have a very pragmatic view of it in that they are only willing to pay for uh, sustainable aviation fuel what they pay for current jet fuel. But we think that this, the only way to get enough sustainable aviation fuel is this alcohol to jet from alcohol to jet fuel conversion, which is nine gallons to five. And that, and that is going to have to come from ethanol. So, you, you know, my point here is that it's not like we're going to become a bean country all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Um, well, there's a demand playing. for the, for the corn side of it too, in that equation. In that equation. And that will also mitigate the fact that we see ethanol demand for cars going way down within mm-hmm. the next three or four years, just given the electrification of the U S vehicle yeah. fleet and, in areas outside of the Midwest, right? So yeah. this this is a this is an opportune time for them to to convert alcohol convert alcohol to jet, and we think we think that's what keeps everything in balance. Yeah, and it'll be a long time before batteries are flying jets, or jets are flying with batteries anyway. So no, that's yeah, mm-hmm. that's not going to happen. I know United purchased some electric planes a while ago, but they're just the short hops, right? They're not mm-hmm. going anywhere. Um, but yeah, certainly certainly alcohol to alcohol to jet and and you know, um, every every airline that we talk to is 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 still keen on it. But you know, so yeah, that'll keep that'll keep our acreage our acres in line for years to come. In my opinion. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Hey, at least you're, you're we're ending up on a good note. That's our Christmas present from you as we head towards Christmas. Then is is uh, hopefully a, a bright future and some sustainable um, market values at least on the demand side which is what you need you know you don't the yeah the, you need it you need it but i'm not sure it's enough to um equate to some of these land sales i've seen recently yeah you know or yeah. some or some of these you know twenty thousand dollars an acre or or even some some rents in in missouri going for 470 dollars i mean it's just mm-hmm. like you know i mean i think i think i think you need to pump the brakes and, and just you know, I know you're a you're a, you're a huge advocate of of hedging on the margin, and and that's something that I think will will continue for years to years to come. I know there's a lot of bullish a lot of bullish sentiment out there about beans going to twenty dollars and corn going to ten or twelve or whatever. And I I think that your your listeners are smart enough to know uh, to separate the bullshit from reality. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's. It's going to be interesting, you know. There's there's always volatility, but there's also always a balance over time, and and uh, the market always has a way to get back to that cost of production for everybody at, at a certain point. So I think we just all gotta be cognizant. This yeah. is the most expensive crop we've ever put in, so we gotta uh, manage yeah. risk. Certainly, near near term, it's being supported by the continuing degradation of production coming out of Ukraine. Um, and then, you know, South America, La Nina, but the longer term, 
the longer term is the stuff that that we look at. We don't we don't necessarily see any any major collapse in prices coming any coming anytime soon. Um, and the and the funds are just going to sit on their hands, I think, for a while, so they're not going to influence it. Mm-hmm. Well, hey. Pete, this has been a great conversation. I um, sincerely appreciate it. I didn't even think we were going there, but I really appreciate your insight and your knowledge on, you know, what's going on with the EPA and, and what's going on with the renewable fuel and all the, the stuff in that, that category. And we'll definitely stay in touch with you on that. You guys are in the know there and, and can kind of keep us informed. So really appreciate your time today and appreciate your knowledge. Uh, thanks. No, well, thanks, Chris. I, you know, I, I, I appreciate the time as well. And I just want to wish all your listeners and Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Holiday to everybody. And I hope everybody remains safe. And, uh, and yeah, let's, let's get at it in the spring of 23. Yeah, we're going to hammer down. We're going to get at it. So, uh, again, uh, Pete Meyer with S&P Global Commodity Insights. Again, thanks a lot to Peter. And, again, thanks to everybody. And we'll be back again next week, even though uh, – This is the last full week, I think, of of the year for the marketing. uh, But we'll be back again next week, and we'll catch you again next time on the review pick.